Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. We are back in Waypoint Studios. Woo-hoo. We had a couple <laughs> podcasts in December. We took off for January and now it's February and we're back and this is episode 71. Back and better than ever. Back and better than <laughs> ever. So welcome everyone. Hi, I'm Erica. I'm the director of Women's Discipleship here at Waypoint. And actually, Erica's the host. I don't know why I jumped in and said the welcome. <laughs> Maybe I was so excited that we're back. And it's, I'm the one who hit play on the computer. So actually, Erica is hosting this podcast, not me. So I'm going to hand it over to her. Yes. Well, let me let everyone introduce themselves. And I'll go ahead and ask the icebreaker question. Today, we're talking about Lent, the Lenten season. And it's the Lenten season begins with Ash Wednesday which we'll talk about later, and it leads us to Easter. So the icebreaker is, as a kid, how did you celebrate Easter? So everyone, my name is Lawrence, and wanted to say hi. We're glad to be back on this podcast with you all. Um, for me, Easter, growing up in the Korean church, was uh, a celebration on Sunday. The, the biggest part of it for me was we had to dress up a little nicer and eat better, a little bit better food. That was kind of what and Easter the food is always good in the Korean church. Yeah. So I bet the food on Easter oh, Sunday. It's epic. What time did the we had w- duck and we had kalbi and it was, it was yeah. It was, what time did they get there and start cooking? Oh, I can't the, imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah I it was so early. Yeah, Saturday, all day Saturday. It's one of those things where you try to feed that many people and they do it every Sunday. It's it's impressive. It's, a, yeah. it's an impressive process. So for me, it wasn't we never I never had an Easter basket. They didn't have Easter basket growing up. They didn't celebrate the Easter bunny. Never really looked for eggs or anything like that. So it was more of a religious service that we went to on Easter Sunday. Wow. Uh, for me, yeah, I grew up. Who are you? I'm Danny, one of the pastors <laughs> here at Waypoint. And I grew up, yeah, in just a traditional American family. We, you know, got up, had an Easter basket. I figured out about Santa Claus when I was like five. So I don't think we did the Easter bunny uh, I'm kind of glad we don't do it with our own kids. Uh, it might be. I little, mean, we do Easter baskets. We do Easter baskets, but not the Easter bunny. <laughs> I I was just one of those kids who kind of figured it out early that it was it was a big fraud. So uh, <laughs> that there's no way that this that these the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny, and Santa Claus. I, I simultaneously came to this conclusion. For all of you listening who still believe in these things, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so we we had Easter morning. baskets. <laughs> I hated shirts with buttons as a kid. I don't know why. Like so. The agreement was I could wear a shirt without buttons to church and not get the Easter basket or get the Easter basket and have to wear the, the nice shirt. And I had to wear the little clip-on tie for the photo. <laughs> I grew up in South Florida in my younger years of childhood. Then we moved to Atlanta. So it was always stifling hot. Like even if it was in March, it could still be 90 degrees at Easter. Uh, maybe some years is a little more pleasant. But yeah, so I just remember it being a joyous celebration at the church in the the Pentecostal tradition that I grew up in, we didn't do much as far as like, you know, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. We didn't do any of that, but we did celebrate on Easter and the resurrection was, was celebrated. And I was, I am grateful for that part of my upbringing. I'm so glad that even though the low church tradition that I grew up in dropped most of the church calendar, that I'm glad they refrained they kept Easter as the highlight of the Christian year because without that, it was just good for me as a kid. And I'm glad that my parents and Sunday school teachers, everybody taught me that it's the best day of the year. Like you guys like Christmas better because you get presents, but Easter is the reason why. <laughs> Easter is our hope. So I'm so grateful to that that was part of my childhood. 
Yeah, I had a lot of um, traditions growing up around Easter. I grew up in Tennessee and South Carolina, but we would, when I was younger, before high school age, we'd always travel to Alabama, to Birmingham, where my grandparents and aunts and uncles lived, and um, always got a new dress. And even in Alabama, some years it was like really cold. Some years it was hot. You can never predict, but sometimes you have to wear like a a coat uh, over like this you know, new Easter dress. And we would um, go to my grandmother's church. And it was a very, actually, the church isn't there anymore. Um, It's like a shopping center now. They tore it down. But it was like very old, traditional, like pews and stained glass windows, small church. We'd have Easter. And then we'd go back to her house. And there would just be tons of relatives, probably about 40 of us. And um, they'd have a big ham and maybe like a turkey or something too, tons of food. And we'd have a big Easter egg hunt and we'd hunt hard boiled eggs that we had died the day before. Mm -hmm. And there was always um, like the golden egg and it was a plastic egg and all the, you know, aunts and uncles would empty their purses and pockets and put like change and dollars in it. I mean, in the end it was probably like $13 and 72 cents and change, you know, but (laughs) yeah, it'd be really exciting. Whoever got the golden egg. Um, And because I grew up in a, more liturgical church. Um, when I was older and we didn't travel anymore, we would do all the things like Ash Wednesday, Good Friday service. I remember our Good Friday service always had a big impact on me because it was more somber and, and beautiful and reflective. So, yeah. So, um, I said we're talking about Lent today. So, um, quickly, just what is Lent? And with that, what is the church calendar? And when did the church start observing this tradition. Yeah, so um, like I said, I didn't grow up in this tradition, but as when I went to college, I tried out a bunch of different thing, traditions and actually got to experience the church calendar through trying out a Methodist church, Presbyterian church. Particularly, I, I also tried out a Baptist church because I didn't grow up in that tradition either. But being in the Methodist Presbyterian churches, I got to learn a little more. And, and really, when I went to seminary, I... I chose a path to look at church history a little deeper. And I remember taking a few classes on this and realizing that it, it, everything in early church history is a slow progression. You got to understand that the early church was a pockets of church throughout the Roman Empire, and there would be series seasons of extreme persecution where they would like burn all the books and like close the churches down. Then there would be maybe a little more openness. So f- for the first 300 years of the church, it's in that season. But there are records of them practicing seasons of Lent, of fasting and feasting. Uh, now, you got to remember, the early church, the original early church was very Jewish. Uh, so they, many of them continued to follow the Jewish holidays. Like, we, the day the Spirit came is the day of Pentecost. So they were celebrating a Jewish holiday, the earliest church, is mm-hmm. continually. Uh, as the church became more uh, Jew and Gentile, they started creating new traditions. Uh, they, the church agreed generally agreed on when the date of Christ of, of Christ's resurrection. They just picked the time around. They, they could get know that it's, after, it's the Passover. So that one's easy. The Christmas date's a little harder. So the Sunday after the Passover, and the Passover's based on the moon calendar, not the solar calendar. Uh, the Sunday after the Passover, the church would celebrate Easter, and the church set apart the 40 days, which 40 is a very significant number in Jewish history. And actually, our next podcast is going to be on numbers in the Bible because it's podcast 72, an important number in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But 40 days of fasting. And they also set aside the 40 days before Christmas later on in the uh, church history 
as a, as a time of fasting. So before you have a major feast, you should take time to reflect and fast. And that tradition comes from the pattern that's given to us in Exodus and Leviticus and in the, in the law given to Moses, given to the people. So around the time of the Council of Nicaea, when the church had more freedom, what you year could, was that? That was uh, the first council was 325. And if you come to the Trinity class, you get to hear more about like how important this council was and in, in, in God's grace to the church for church history. Around that time, it becomes more formalized that because that's the first time all these different churches actually get to come together for a meeting without being killed. If all the bishops and leaders were in one place at one time, the Roman Empire would be like, awesome, let's <laughs> get them all at once. So they never had that luxury until around that time in history. So around that time, the pattern happens and then it, it continues to grow throughout church history and is part of every tradition including the early protestant tradition until the more congregational churches started choosing not to do it so every church in the protestant tradition chose to continue the church calendar except for some of the churches that more the congregational tradition chose to take parts of it but not all of it so <clears throat> The, the term Lent actually stayed for like 40. Yeah. So the idea of the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness, that whole idea. Actually, during the Reformation, um, a lot of the Reformation guys, like Calvin, some of these Luthers, Swingley, Swingley, yeah. these guys actually went away from Lent and observing Lent mm-hmm. and away from Ash Wednesday. They wanted to be distinctly non Actually, Luther kept it. Is the the guys after him, right? Yeah. I think Luther okay. also didn't. But okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But, we'll but, fact check. We'll fact yeah, check we'll fact check. But um, these guys were... Really intentionally, like, hey, this is a distinctly Catholic thing. So they wanted to have a separation. So actually, a lot of the Reformed tradition really went away from observing Lent and observing um, Ash Wednesday. Actually, more of a modern Reform- Reformed churches have kind of come back to it a little bit. And it's almost almost kind of because of a, an idea of a return to liturgy, mm-hmm. a return to a kind of a, some of the practices that's been happening in a lot of the kind of modern Reformed churches. The One of the reasons, though, that people kind of went away during that Reformation period was this idea that um, kind of like people had an issue of, is it in the Bible to practice this, is it not in the Bible? Is it prescribed mm-hmm. Bible to buy the Bible to do, or is it a man-made thing? Mm-hmm. And so they kind of had this kind of issue that they were wrestling with, yeah. you know. Um, and so there's, there's some, some people who have a belief system where it says if it's not in the Bible, then you can't do it. Right. So yeah. that's kind of where this kind of wrestle kind of came from with well, that. Well, that really leads us to the next question, which is: Do you think observing Lent is helpful, harmful, um, or simply unnecessary, or is it neutral? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's really helpful. I'm not a very disciplined person. Uh, I struggle with fasting in general. I struggle with, I just, it's just not who I'm not. I'm just not a disciplined person. So for me, setting apart a time where we do it corporately, corporate things help me uh, to know that I'm doing this with other people. Uh, I think corporate worship is important and so if corporate worship is important and fasting is a discipline that helps us worship God and grow closer to God and, and seasons of remembrance of repentance and preparing ourselves and to listen to the spirit mm-hmm. are important. So for me personally, I think it's a beautiful thing. I, I of course, yes, a church can exist and not do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, churches have to, train their folks to fast and have seasons of this, whether they do it corporately following the rest, like in a pattern that goes along with churches throughout the world versus 
just doing it inside their own congregation. I, I don't think, I think we need to do it. How you do it, I would say, is it's not mandated by Scripture, except for the precedent that we see in the, uh, in the Old Testament that seasons of, of feasting and fasting are, are good for the, the community. And I do mm-hmm. believe we're grafted into the, to God's people through, through Christ and by give, the pouring out of the Spirit. So I would say it's, it's a good practice, and I, I like doing it corporately. I, th- I think it adds to my personal growth, and I hope it adds to other people's. I think it really depends on the situation and the person. For example, if it's out of this moral obligation that says I have to do this because there's a special blessing, mm-hmm. that if I fast during this time because traditionally I've been told to fast during this time, God's going to bless me more. Then I'm like, eh. You know, if, if it's one of those things where look how much better I am because mm-hmm. I can fast or I'm earning my way towards a, a better reward, mm-hmm. then I'm, it's unhelpful. Yeah. If it's a practice of remembering, a discipline that like you, as a community, you build community together, a practice of corporate worship together, a practice of humbling and repentance, that is very helpful. Right. You know, I, I honestly think it's one of those situations where it's not prescribed in the Bible. So it's one of those situations that it's, whether or not it's helpful or necessary is based on the circumstance. You know, if it was prescribed in the Bible, then I'm like, yeah, you need to do it. Right. But if it's, because it's not prescribed in the Bible to do it's helpful based on how you're approaching it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think for me, yeah, I've it's been helpful. Like I like to think, um, I think any time that you can think of life in terms of rhythms and ter- terms of like what you do physically is connected to what you do spiritually. Um, also, like Danny brought up in community, the idea of like I'm not just pulling away to fast by myself, but together we're taking this time and um in years and in churches where we've practiced it, I think it really does add to the the celebration of Easter. Like, oh, we've been leading up to this like mm-hmm. great day, this remembrance. But like you were saying, I can see ways where it can be um, be harmful, like with the wrong heart and mindset too. So, and with that, Ed, I think it's beneficial for us as Waypoint um, mm-hmm. if we approach it the right way, because we we don't live in a world of that much liturgy and connection to the past and tradition mm-hmm. and to people. I think it's beneficial. It's also beneficial for discipline and reminders. We live in a fast-paced world that's mm-hmm. going by so fast. And it's, it's, it's for us, it's beneficial, I believe. Now, not necessarily for everybody. It doesn't have to be practiced the same way by everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think for us overall and for me, it's a helpful practice. Right. And you brought up something neat, too. When I was thinking in community, I was first thinking like as a church together, which is great, but also in community with like Christians all over the world. There's exactly. a lot of Christians all over the world that will be fasting during the season and preparing the hearts That's for that good. celebration. So fo- yeah, following the church calendar is a way to to unify us, even though Protestants are definitely disunified by many other things. Mm-hmm. And, and it unifies us with Catholic and Orthodox traditions too, mm-hmm. where we're saying we're we're choosing to be unified looking at a historic tradition that that dates back to the the fourth century, the fifth century. Uh, little fact check: so Lawrence is correct. Generally, the early reformers after Luther wanted to distance themselves from Catholic traditions. Uh, the next wave of Lutherans, particularly, brought it back, but the Anglican Church never left it. The Anglican Church just thought that they were the pure reformers. 
of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. so they they kept it. Uh, then it it kind of came. It comes back once the remnant of of the idea that it's it's directly linked to Catholicism, and that's what the Reformation is. A lot of people think the Reformation is just like kind of ended when Calvin died, but actually it was a couple hundred years of them saying. Just, just looking at, and it's still going on. Technically, it's five hundred years ago, but we we would argue that we're always like looking, examining ourselves, and looking back at what did God give us in the early church, and how do we apply that into our current context? So every every church everywhere should always be reforming, and and by by reintroducing the church calendar into a, a lot of spheres of Protestantism, we're we're basically saying this is this is a unifying thing that unifies us with the global church, uh, and it's it's a good thing. We yeah. we need to do these disciplines anyway. Why not do them in a unified way? Why be disunified in them when we could choose to practice them in a unified way? And one thing, yeah, we could agree with with our Catholic brothers and sisters is the death and resurrection of that's Jesus right. Christ. So yes. you know that's one thing we definitely have in common. Another thought on the helpfulness and harmfulness. I was thinking as you were sharing is. Things can be harmful when you don't know why you do them. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing about this that's so cool is like throughout the Old Testament, especially, it says, you know, observe uh, these practices. And when your children ask, why do you do this? Why do we like take a lamb, you know, at the Passover, explain to them that God did this for us. God brought us out of Egypt, you know, in the same way as Christians, we can say the reason we do this is because, you know, that's really good. I, I, love, Christ. I love being set apart people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. Why? Why would you? Why would you fast something for forty days? That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I love to have an answer, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that one? I'm repentant of my sin, mm-hmm. you know. I want to know Jesus in a more profound way. Right. I want to walk. I mean, what be able to answer those things is, is just a beautiful way to be set apart, people. Yeah. So, what specifically is Ash Wednesday? This is our first time to celebrate or formally celebrate. Formally celebrate. We, we yes, normally right, would right. send out a PDF guide to prayer mm-hmm. at Waypoint for the past four or five years on Ash around the week of Ash Wednesday we might have a blog post this is our first time to have a prayer service so at Waypoint we we have a prayer ministry we like to have regular prayer services so we thought hey why not have a prayer service when many of our brothers and sisters around the world do like why not combine the two into one uh, to prepare our hearts so Ash Wednesday is actually the it's 40 days before Lent it's technically like 45 because the Sundays don't count in the 40 days. Uh, that's that's how the church calendar set it up. But it's 40 days before Lent, so that way it always falls on a Wednesday. Um, and it is a time of coming together for a service to remember that you came from dust, you're going to return to dust, the Genesis 2 passage. And it, it just gives us the opportunity to, if we think we came from dust and we're going to return for dust, when we get to Easter and we think about the resurrection, it makes a whole, it makes it a whole lot more exciting. Mm. That without the resurrection, we're just dust to dust. But because, and really dust to destruction, mm-hmm. because as Paul says in Romans, you know, one and two, we're we're objects of wrath. We're we're doomed for destruction. But because of the the kindness and mercy and love of God through the life, death, resurrection, ascension, pouring out of the Spirit and the return of Christ, mm-hmm. we're going to be set free one day. So, mm-hmm. so Ash Wednesday is just a prayer service to come together to remember yeah. and, and to, to who we came from so, and to say we're going we're gonna to set apart 40 days to really reflect on who we are, our brokenness, and the mercy that God's going to pour out to us when we think about the cross and we think about the resurrection. You know, ashes throughout the whole Old Testament 
has symbolized grief and repentance. Yeah. You know, they mm-hmm. cover themselves with ashes when they're grieving, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what ashes are meant to symbolize for us. Ash Wednesday is meant to symbolize the fact that, yes, we were, come from dust, but also symbolize our grief and our yeah. repentance over our sin. And it's time for us to acknowledge and come face to face. And honestly, most of us don't do that most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time we don't really think about and grieve and weep and are kind of broken over our own brokenness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is an opportunity that's put into practice so we can be reminded not to live in this a wallow in this pity of guilt and sin, but to say, look what God has saved us from. Mm-hmm. To acknowledge that, yes, we are broken, but only when we embrace our brokenness do we see what a great healer and savior we have. So it's our opportunity to come in and just receive, repent, grieve over our sin, and receive the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Um, what, um, and what about Good Friday? What is Good Friday, and why do we observe that? Yeah, Good Friday. It's interesting that the Protestant tradition, particularly the branch of Protestantism we're part of, is very much into the cross and what what is the cross accomplishes, all the things that are accomplished on the cross. So Good Friday was very easy to bring back into a lot of the lower church traditions because the cross the cross and the resurrection is 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 the crux of low of all church theology but what by low church tradition i mean just kind of the churches that didn't practice liturgy so good friday was brought back in a lot of churches maybe in the 60s 70s but it's just saying if we're going to think about easter we also need time to reflect on the cross we can reflect on it any time of the year mm-hmm. uh, it's not we're not bound to we sing songs about the cross all year long but it's a day to remember. It's a day to, to just stop and prepare your heart. And, and, and really, that Friday and Saturday, I know a lot of we have stuff going on at the church. You might have to practice for the choir or whatever. You, you have stuff going on. But it, it's, it's just saying, let's just stop for this worship service and take you know 45 minutes to an hour to just reflect on what happened on the cross and what God did for us and why that is the hardest thing that's ever happened, but the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. And and it's it's kind of the culmination of this, this season of Lent. And then we're just like, we're going to spend a day, a night, just just remembering what what happened and, and what that means for us. In the Old Testament, we have feasts, celebrations. We have Ebenezer's that we raise because God knows we're fickle people and kind of our heads and our minds can jump from thing to thing. We forget easily. Gina and I, we talk about it all the time. We raise Ebenezer's all the time mm-hmm. because in the midst of anxiety and fear and stress in life, we're like, oh my gosh. We start not forgetting that God's in charge, but not feeling like God's in charge. Mm-hmm. So we have to look back at our Ebenezer's. We are people that need reminders. And God in his goodness has given us these days to remind us, to show us. He's given us a day to celebrate, like whether it's Good Friday. I, I agree. We, we, we should celebrate the cross every day. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, oftentimes we don't. But it's good and healthy for us to have a day that we remember and we focus and set apart and the service that we set apart and say, it is good to pro- the process to gaze upon the cross of Christ. That's mm-hmm. what Good Friday is supposed to be. That's what Easter, that's what these days of celebration, there are Ebenezer's, there are feast reminders, there are our, our, our moments where it's, it's, it's our birthday celebrations, it's our mm-hmm. anniversaries, it's these days that we just go, oh, okay, that day. Let me remind us again of that day. Again, when I think about like right now, if you're doing the Bible reading plan, we've been in the Pentateuch and like, how much time is spent describing different festivals of remembrance and how much we need 
habits and how much we need cycles. Like, and I think even I'm, yeah, to the testimony of my own life, just celebrating these things. Like, yeah, spring comes around and you feel like, oh, it's time. Like Good, Good Friday was ingrained in my brain and then Easter celebration. And I think even, you know, if I were to have like walked away from my faith, I would still have those cycles ingrained in me, something calling calling me back. You know, I think, yeah, it's, we're created in that way. And we're created yeah. to have times of reflection and times of feasting. Mm-hmm. If we err too much on one side or the other, we, we, we can't be fully human because the world is broken. And, that's, right. mm-hmm. and if you look at every culture that's ever existed, they have times of remembrance. Like America, mm-hmm. we have 4th of July. We remember the, the victory. We have, you know, December, what is it, 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, you know, Flag Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Every culture sets up a series of holidays to go through cycles of, of celebrating and cycles of remembrance. And it would be a disservice to us as Christian leaders to not come up with some version of that for our people, to, to say that you're, you're created for these cycles. That's who we are as humans. We need to fellowship together, but we also need to not always be partying. We need to remember the brokenness. We need to remember more in the death. And the, the Christian calendar just gives us this beautiful way of doing that, and it's literally walking us through the gospel story every year we start with advent we start with the idea that jesus is coming back then we remember that jesus came so we start kind of start with this old testament anticipation idea in advent we we celebrate christmas that jesus came then we move into this season of you know lent and then easter and then we remember that the spirit comes at pentecost Mm -hmm. that jesus ascends and the spirit comes and then we we go to this ordinary time which is the church calendar calls it in between pentecost and Advent, where we're just like, we're supposed to live out faithful our faith. Lives. Yeah. Just live faithful lives. I love the word ordinary time. That's one of my favorite words in all of liturgy. Mm-hmm. Just just be faithful and remember when Advent comes, we're going to remember that we need, we really need Jesus to come back because mm-hmm. the world is broken. And I, and I love this cycle. So I think it's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing for us uh, to do. So that's why at Waypoint, we've, we've chosen to join with the global church, many of the global church brothers and sisters in this, this practice. And I hope it's beneficial to you. One other thing that we're going to do at Waypoint is the Thursday before Good Friday, we're going to have dinners and homes throughout the, the community. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, we're going to match you up with a, a home closest to where you live so you can get to know some Waypoint people who live near you. And we're going to have a meal together and celebrate the Lord's Supper at that time because remembering the uh, Last Supper of Jesus before we go into Good Friday and Easter. So, yeah, we, we, we're really excited about this, and we hope that you guys can join, join with us in this, this time. So in light of God's grace and knowing that we're not under the law, do you think people should give up something for Lent? Um, <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is a tough one because— different personalities some people my personality it's a great idea (laughs) it's i'm the free spirit i'm not very disciplined i kind of do what i want i i know some folks who are a little more rigid a little more harsh on themselves a little less forgiving so it can be it can become legalistic for them and that this is a a means of grace (laughs) not a means of of burden so I would say I think it's a good idea generally, but it should be practiced in a way 
where you 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 see it as a means of grace, mm-hmm. and it helps you draw near to God, recognize your brokenness, and draw near to God. If you can't do it, you're not going to give up something for 40 days. I would challenge you to do some times of actual fasting from food. Jesus commands this. He says, when I leave, you, my disciples will fast. And fasting from food is the best exercise we can do as Americans because we eat all the time. We never are without. We're not like farmers who have droughts and stuff. So we're, or we have to limit our food intake because, you know, we got to make it through the winter. So I think it's a good discipline. If you need to start small, if you have any questions about it, we can send you some guides for medically and stuff. But I would say you should fast all year, but particularly try to take some time during the season, maybe a day, maybe fast on Wednesdays because that's the day you don't have many meetings at work and you'll never get invited to lunch <laughs> you know, or whatever and, and ask God. And then when you feel those pains of hunger, remember that's how we should feel about God every time. Mm. Like we need God more than we need food and water. So fast, I hate fasting. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't like it. When I was a youth pastor, we used to do the 40-hour famine and I was just as miserable as the kids were. <laughs> you know. But it's a discipline that really sanctifies us and really forces us to remember our need for God. So I would say you could say, hey, I'm going to fast from like social media or do something that might actually help you have more mm-hmm. time to focus on God. You could do a food fast. That's my take on it. Don't make it, make it a means of grace, not something that burdens you. And obviously, if you've struggled with disordered eating in the past, then you can find another way yeah. to fast the same way if you struggle with alcohol, I wouldn't encourage you to have wine with your community. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Could take into account like your own... You know, limitations, own limitations and, and, yeah, with yeah. that too, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's an absolute means of grace when you take it as such. Um, my recommendation would be that I do like the idea of giving up of something, but sometimes it can also be adding something. You know, maybe it's uh, adding a quiet time if you have. If you I'm going to read a psalm a day. If you're if yeah. you're out of the rhythm of reading the Bible, yeah. like. Use this, say, I'm going to commit for 40 days. I can't do the Bible reading plan. It's right. too much. I always fall fall short. Right. Or if I always yeah. watch a TV show every night or something, I can you know, maybe spend that time reading a Bible, you know, whatever it may be. Um, look at it as a means of growing closer to God, a means of, you know, when you, when you love someone and you pursue someone, you always have to sacrifice something to pursue that mm-hmm. person. That's good. You know, and yeah. so mm-hmm. we look at it as a means of like in this season – how do you want to pursue this person? How do you want to pursue God in this season? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if I, when I started dating Gina, I got to spend less time with my guy friends playing basketball. You guys mm-hmm. have to sacrifice basketball, whatever it may be. You know, this is, right. I love my kids. So to be with my little kids, I have to sacrifice less time with me playing golf. Whatever, whatever that is, it's, you got to look at it like, what are, you, what are you willing to give up to pursue the one whom you love and you want to know more? Mm-hmm. So I would, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to look at it that way. Yeah. And, and obviously, we can do this all year. We don't want you just just for forty days. We want you to remember your brokenness. But Lent and Advent are seasons that we're gonna try to through things like this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're, we know we're all doing it together to to take some time to to stop and reflect and to give up something, like Lawrence said, to gain something better. Yes, yeah. I think the same way. Like if you were feasting all the time, you really wouldn't enjoy the feast. Like I know. Well, I, know, I know, Lawrence, you talk about this a lot. If you're going to Angus Barn that night, you, like, don't eat much that day. Right. So, like, you can truly enjoy <laughs> the that The cheese night. there, yeah. you gotta, you got to enjoy the bread and the cheese, which isn't even their, the main course. <laughs> right. So you got to ruin your— So I yeah. think that, like, yeah, if we're always 
feasting, like you miss out. If in the same, if you're always fasting, we definitely need to feast. Like it's these rhythms. I think two things for most people are like food or social media, because social media tends to be for a lot of people the thing you just turn to, yeah. turn to. And like I think in giving that up, sometimes you realize, oh, I could turn to God right now instead of that's that, good. you know. Yeah, that's good. And so then two last questions we can answer together. One we've kind of answered already, but I said if we're Easter people every Sunday, why make such a big deal about Easter? <laughs> and then with that, um, how do you plan to prepare your heart for Easter? And that might be you've already thought about a way that you are going to practice Lent or just in general some thoughts you have. Yeah. So uh, some of my Reformed brothers and sisters make a statement that we don't need to practice Lent to have Ash Wednesday because written into our liturgy, into their liturgy every Sunday is this time of confession mm-hmm. and repentance, which I get that. That makes total sense. And we do that once a month. And we do that once a month at Waypoint. And honestly, I hope we're practicing confession and repentance anyway on our right. on our own. Personally, corporately. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's part, part of who we are. It's part of who we are. Um, but there's something beautiful. It's very much like, well, if I'm... Married to somebody, why celebrate an anniversary? Or if I why celebrate their birthday, if I'm with them every day. I love you every day. I love you day. You know, <laughs> right. there's something special that something that happens mm-hmm. is that in our day to day interactions with relationships, it can become mundane. Not mundane. It can become normal. Mm-hmm. It can become rhythm. It can become rote. It can become just something you do. And God knows that about us. God's, God's not up in heaven being like oblivious to the way our minds work. That's one of my favorite lines in a song. Uh, very rarely do you ever talk about in a, in a praise and worship song or a hymn, does it ever say like, like I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel mm-hmm. it. It's one of my favorite lines in that song is mm-hmm. prone to wander, Lord, I feel prone to leave the God I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, I actually see that in the song. It's acknowledging my heart is prone to wander. And I think this is what celebrating Easter does is we get to, to the joy of coming together and celebrating who we are and it reminds us over and over again. I, every year I, I, at the church, we, we always like, we have this high on Easter. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just exists. I, I think yeah. everybody feels it. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that we're people who live on high to high, but it's okay every once in a while to be like extra reminded. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been reading about this revival on Asbury. Yeah. You know, and people are like, well, why should the spirit move any day? Shouldn't you have the spirit every day? Sometimes there's something so sweet about this mighty move of feeling something. If you felt that all Amen. the time, it'd be different. But right. mm-hmm. that easily allows us to experience. Amen. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lawrence said it all. I, I mean, I just feel like once a year coming together, being in the church, knowing that as someone who's gotten the opportunity to worship and be part of the global church a little more, through my job with international students and just a few experiences traveling overseas and living overseas. It's just, it's just awesome. I know anywhere I go, anywhere in the world, that my brothers and sisters know that our hope is in the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we, we choose to one day a year to say, this is the day. And we can invite people to that. If, if it was just every week, like I want to invite people to Easter Sunday to show them that this is the reason for the hope that I have, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that all of us, when we sit in our beds at night and we, or we get close to death or we get near death with sickness or a relative who's near death, we, we, we come to this mindset that what is this life all about? What's going to happen when I die? And Easter is, is the answer, that God became a human, God rose again, and we can be raised to new life in Christ, and we get to celebrate that in this grand celebration. I want my kids to think of the most important thing 
about me is Easter, like that because Jesus rose from the dead. So I think celebrating it once a year really elevates it higher than anything else in my culture or in my society. Like this is this is the day that we will just reflect and just just show the world that Jesus is risen. And I, for me, that's that's a grand thing, and I'm glad that the church gave us this tradition and that we get to be Easter people all year long and every Sunday remember it, but we get one Sunday where we just come and celebrate and, and have the blowout. And I love Lawrence as a pastor because he loves a good blowout. <laughs> so we know at Waypoint, a lot of you may not have family who live close by. We're a very transplant, transient community. So we have a blowout here. We have a lunch and bouncy houses and everything. Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunt mm-hmm. because we want everyone to be family together. If you don't have family to go to, you can come and stay here and, and, and worship with us. Continue the worship service through eating and, and talking and celebrating. And there's a lot of people who wouldn't go to church on other days of the the other Sundays during the year, but for Christmas and Easter, feel compelled either from, you know, their childhood or just the cultural norm or even like with a lot of international students just to see what we do on Easter. So it's such an incredible opportunity that we have. And and I agree there it has been just something special about celebrating the reason for our hope and our future. You know, I remember last year um, reading scripture and we had it read in several languages and reading about the resurrection and just, I don't know, just being so touched that this is this is real and this is a glimpse of our, our future hope. So I'm, th- I'm so thankful. I'm excited about the Lenten season with all of you and so excited about celebrating Easter. Any last thoughts before we go? No, just just to explain one more tradition. So on Ash Wednesday, we will put a purple drape over the cross, and that just is in remembrance of the Lent season. The on Good Friday, the drape will be black. It'll stay up for two days, and then on Sunday morning, it'll be white. The white drape will stay up until Ascension Sunday, which is the the Sunday that we remember that Jesus ascended and He's reigning. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and and then He's sent the spirit out and that's that's our hope so that's just we don't do much we're not a huge liturgical church but we like doing that as a reminder to all of us that you know this this is the season that we're in so just yeah but i'm thankful and enjoy excited to be on this journey with you guys and however you decide to choose to celebrate or practice this season know that it is uh grace know that it is for you to know and love god more and so take it in such and such a way. And um, I invite you, all of you, Waypoint Church, that we all do this together and let's celebrate together. All right. Thank you very much. He is risen. He is risen <laughs> indeed. indeed. All right. <laughs>